Good morning, New Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church, a place where love abides. Our pastor is Pastor Dontel Awesome Halls and your host for the Sunday School Hour, Reverend Bill Riley. Thank you for coming. We want to welcome you today. Our lesson is titled, God Gives Victory Over the Malachites. God Gives Victory Over the Amalekites. Our lesson text is found in Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 8. It's a continuation of our last week's lesson, uh, just after uh, the children of Israel uh, met at Raphidim, there was no water, and so um, the people chided with Moses, and Moses used his rod to um, release water from the rock, from the instruction from God, and from that point on, they received an oasis in the desert. However, this week's lesson is dealing with the Amalekites or the Amalekites. In verse 17, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 8, it says, Then the Amalekites fought with Israel at Rephidim. Last week, we saw in verse 7, it says, And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel. And because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Or better yet, uh, why is the Lord uh, allowing this to happen? What is the meaning of this place? Why do we have to struggle so much? If you can remember, there are most of the time that most Christians will deal with these type of questions. And the answer to the question is in verse 8. It says, then came the Amalekites and fought with Israel in Raphidim. The temperature outside, at least in my house, is about 62 degrees and it's about a chill in the air. And I mention that is because the seasons are changing. And if you follow the, the children of Israel's history, most of the time from this point on, God has been uh, taking care of the children of Israel, and he will continue to do that. However, he changes, he shifts the responsibility, not just solely on him, but now it's the responsibility is now becoming on the children of Israel. In other words, God provided for the children of Israel whenever they prayed to him. And now this time God is asking the children of Israel to assist him in relieving and finding answers for their relief. In verse 9, it says, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Well, at this time, the children of Israel had not fought anyone. Um, God had uh, delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians, and it's quite possible that um, the Israelites had uh, swooped up a few weapons from the Egyptians as they drowned in the Red Sea. Other than that, they had plowshares and hooks and stuff that they gardened with. Um, however, there was not much there to garden with. Um, so they had very little weapons. Verse 11 says, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, the Amalekites or the Amakites prevailed. 
But Moses' hands were heavily, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the one on the other side. And his hands were steadily until going down or the going down of the sun. The interesting strategy is that Moses is now going to go up into the top of the hill. Now, just before we do that, let's give, let me give you a little background on the Amalekites. What is the Amalekites mentality? What is uh, Amalek or Amalek, which is uh, a Jewish way of saying it? Who is the Amalekites? Well, the Amalekites are the descendants of Esau and Jacob. Remember the two twins, Jacob and Esau, sons of Isaac, and they fought in the womb even before they were even born. However, Jacob was a mama's boy, a, a man who stayed at home, and Esau was a man's man who was the father's uh, uh, pride and joy. He was the one who was a hunter. He was the one who who uh, went out and shot deer and with arrows, of course, um, and brought back um, food for um, for the kill. The Bible says that Esau had not known at that time, but I believe he did, um, what his father and, and mother's wishes was is not to marry into the Canaanite family. However, the Canaanites lived amongst them at that time. There was not war. There was not separation. There was not um, any racism during that time. However, there was a certain type of mentality in which the Canaanites had developed throughout the years. Esau was attracted to the Canaanite women. He married two women from the Canaanite tribe or the Canaanite people. Um, At that time, he had sons and one of the sons that he had was born from a Canaanite concubine was was a Canaanite so he had at least about three women he had kids with um, this concubine had a son by the name of Eliphaz and Eliphaz had several sons and the last son of Eliphaz was Amalek and so Amalek is where Amalek come in at however you can find Amalek also in Genesis chapter 14 7 in Genesis 14, 7, in the TEV version, it says, They went back to the city of Emishba, better known as Kadesh. Then they captured all of the land that belonged to the Amalekites, and they defeated the Amorites who were living in Herzon Termah. There it is, Amalekites. Hmm. Well, that was well before Esau... Well, you have to understand that sometimes the Bible would mention um, these names and sometimes people had uh, more than one name with this name. However, I don't believe it was any relation to Esau. However, I believe that it's a mentality. It is a, a mindset. Let me go on record at this time. This is a billism. I have to do your own investigation, but this is a billism. The word Amalekite means warlike. So these were warriors. These mentality were warlike people. If we were to look at them today, it would probably be 
um, folks like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, um, and some of those other radical groups in the uh, Middle East. And if you can remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 15, where King Saul was told to go in and kill all of the Amalekites, um, he had left the king of the Amalekites uh, alive and he had brought back some of the, the cattle and the spoils of war. Saul was successful in doing what God told him to do as far as getting rid of or manhandle or control the Amalekites. However, he did not wipe them out completely. Again, again, I guess you say, what is the beef between uh, Israel and the Amalekites? Well, the Amalekites would be similar to Abraham's firstborn son, Ishmael. And he settled in the land in and around the Canaanites. But Ishmael is half Hebrew and half Egyptian because his mother is Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid. However, so there is some bitter rivalry there. And then when Esau was told from his father not to marry any Canaanites, the Bible says it's recorded that Esau had married into the Ishmaelites' daughters, which the Ishmaelites, Ishmaelites, Ishmaelites had intertwined with the Canaanites. So you have all these mixtures going in. The bloodlines is all mixed up, but that wasn't God's concern. What's God's concern is the fact that it's a mentality that these people had. God had respect of other nations on good and bad. However, he had a problem with these warlike warriors. And you'll see some of this when Israel is fighting the Amalekites. The Amalekites came in and came into Ziglag while David was out battling the Philistines. While David was out battling the Philistines, the Amalekites was the guerrilla warfare type of people who would sneak in during the most vulnerable time and take um, other nations spoils or their wives and their children just when they were vulnerable. So when David found out when he got back to Ziglag that his women, his the women and children and all the cattle and spoils was taken by the Amalekites, he became angry and very furious. This is the type of mentality that God can't tolerate. This is the type of people that God wants to wipe out. And then we see the Amalekites in 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel chapter 1, where King Saul had been defeated by the Philistines in battle, and he he knew that the Philistines would come in, taking him, and uh, dragging through the mud, torturing him until he died, and even cut off his head and hang him up for a public example of their victory. He asked the gentleman, he asked his armor bearer to kill him. His armor bearer wouldn't kill him, so Saul, King Saul killed himself. And then his armor bearer killed himself. However, here comes the Amalekite swooping down during the most vulnerable time and grabbed the crown from King Saul and went to King David, must have put on a military outfit 
and went to David and said that, you know, the battle he escaped and then he lied and said he killed King Saul, asked him to kill him and take his life. And he thought he was going to get a, a, um, a reward for doing that. But instead he received um, his own suicidal um, because David had killed him. This is the type of the Malachites mentality. And then another time when King Saul was going into battle in the same chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 15, he also told the Kenites to get out of the area because he wanted to wipe out the Amalekites. The Amalekites were also using the Kenites as human shields, just like we see today. When uh, these guerrilla warfare like people, this mentality is that they don't they don't have no respect for uh, the innocents when they kill. This is the type of mentality in which God wants to eliminate. And so here we are in Exodus chapter 17 and the children of Israel are now moving forward to where God is calling them to. But there are a few people that are straggling behind probably older women and children and those that are weak and feeble. And so the Amalekites will swoop down from the hill country and then come down and attack the rear of these group of people, which is moving forward. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17, it says, people of Israel, do you remember what the Amalekites did to you after you came out of Egypt? You were tired and they followed along behind, attacking those who could not keep up with the others. This showed that the Amalekites had no respect for God. The Lord your God will help you capture the land and he will give you peace. But when the day comes, you must wipe out Amalekite so completely that no one will remember they ever lived. Amen. So, um, we see that in Deuteronomy 25, it says when God wants to wipe out the Amalek or the Amalekites, it's not so much like a group of people. However, because in the New Testament, we talk about grace, we talk about mercy, we talk about forgiveness. However, there are a mentality of people who are just stuck on what they want and what they um, can get out of people or those that are feeble. This is the type of mentality. God has no tolerance for this. I guess we could look at Hitler, who was claiming to be uh, a messenger or an instrument of God when he wanted to wipe out the Jewish nation. Um, this is what these leaders are reading the Bible and, and they taking the Bible out of context. Amen. Um, I thank God for the research of from the Jewish perspective of learning more about the mentality of what God's mindset was when it's written in our Bible. If you look at it from face value, it seemed that it would have seemed that it was our responsibility to wipe out these people, but it's not the way it's portrayed in the Bible. Christians are not these ruthless people who feel as though that they had a responsibility to wipe out. Lord knows um, with Black Lives Matter and these uh, racial riots, um, we can get the wrong impression. In the book of Obadiah, if you read that chapter, or you read, yes, yes, it's only one chapter. If you read that book, the book of Obadiah, you'll see that God pronounced the judgment 
upon Edom. It's Edom. Edom is another name for Esau. Esau, it's Esau's people, it's Esau's mentality. This this um, type of hatred, this type of warfare, warlike people comes from actually the loins of Isaac. And here it is, another billism. You remember in Genesis chapter 25, I believe it is, when Rebecca had two twins inside of her. They were fighting inside the womb. So as it, it would consider to be um, at least two people. Um, billism will say that it's two nations or it's two natures. And an opportunity to preach one of my first sermons on the book of Obadiah and preach from the fact that you know, there's two natures inside of the woman's wound in Genesis 25, and they are battling. So the Amalekite could be considered also the bad nature of every human being, because every human being have a warlike mentality. <laughs> Amen. And God wants to eradicate that, wipe that part out. Amen. All right, let me move on. That's a billism. Decisive victory. As Moses continued to hold the staff high, the Lord gave the Israelites a decisive victory. The people put it this way. Joshua comforted Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The Hebrew word translated discomforted means to be weak or prostrate. The idea uh, is that Joshua's army brought the Amalekites to their knees and they did it by God's power. By the power of God, victory over the Amalekites was secure. By no means was this the end of them. However, their hostility towards Israel would continue for centuries to come. This first attack exhibited their extreme wickedness as it was unprovoked and launched initially at the weakest of the most vulnerable of the Israelites. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that how the enemy would um, have it? Whereas though that when we're at our most vulnerable time in our lives that the enemy will come in like a flood and want to um, wreak havoc. But I thank God that he lifts us the standard against them. As a result, the Amalekite actions, the Lord issued a devastating statement. I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens. In making this proclamation or this pronouncement, the Lord was putting an Amalekites in the same category as the Canaanites and other inhabitants of the promised land, whom he said were to be exterminated. Deuteronomy 7.2. Only God can make such a, de a determination and a course of action as well. Thus, only he could issue such a proclamation. This announcement, judgment, was of such importance that God told Moses to note it in a permanent record. Moses may have kept a diary of sort during the wilderness journey. The heart of the lesson is the battle plan. Everyone in the camp was exhausted from the travel. So this was a bad time for a battle, but the Israelites did not get to choose. God sovereignly allowed this attack to happen. The time had come for Israel to learn about war. Here's what 
another chance of God's people to rely on him. Moses appointed Joshua as commander and instructed him to assemble a fighting force to engage the Amalekites the following day. Joshua, whose name is Hoshea in Hebrew, which means in the Greek, Jesus, which means the Lord is our savior. Interesting. When Moses held up his hands with the rod, the Israelites prevailed. However, when his hands came down, the Amalekites prevailed. Aaron and Hur provided a stone for Moses to sit on, and they held up his tired hands. The Israelites defeated the Amalekites, and Moses built an altar there called Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is our banner. He signifies that God is victorious in battle and the flag of his victory is lifted up high. Exodus chapter 17 is God's provision and protection of Israel. And the question is, an obvious one is first raised in the Mishnah of Russia, Hashanah. The Mishnah is the first major book of the Jewish rabbinical literatures. However, was it possible for Moshe, which is in Hebrew, his name is pronounced Moshe, or Moses' hands is influenced this battle. Has Moses' hands influenced this battle in the missioner? And the missioner answered, was it Moses' hands that won the battle or lost the battle? Rather, as long as Israel looked heavenlyward and subjected their hearts to the Father in heaven, they would prevail. But when they did not, they would fall to Amalek. Interesting. Just like Moses held up the serpent on his rod or on the pole in the wilderness, deliverance came to focus the people on the Lord, on the answer to the solution or the answer to the problem. And they received a healing. And here it is, Moses beginning to lift up his hands, lift up the rod. Once again, it could be interpreted that it's God reestablishing Moses as the leadership. However, let's look towards the hills from which cometh our help, our help coming from the Lord. It's good that Moses is sitting on the rock and not smiting the rock. That's another Billism. God bless you. That's all I have for you today. Let's take a look at a few of these practical points. Practical point number one, believers live in a hostile world, but must not respond to it in fear or hostility. Number two, effective leaders identify and mentor the next generation of leaders. So the work of God's people continues. But here's what I want to lift up. Number five and number six, God's work through his people. But the ultimate victory belongs to him. We can trust. Practical point number six. We can trust the God. We can trust that God is with us in every battle and in every test. So to sum it up, God was providing for the children of Israel. Now God is working inside of the hearts of Israel and allowing them to take part in his work, preparing them for future battles for what they're going to come up against. You know, they have to come up against Jericho. Of course, Moses dies. 
and Joshua comes on the scene. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you.